Listener-supported KTOO, welcome to Juno Afternoon, broadcasting live from the homelands of the Aquan and on demand as a podcast. It's Tuesday, February 20th, 2024. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Going to cheese hawa salama for joining the conversation. On today's show, the Juno Commission on Sustainability is hosting two community Q&A sessions in the coming weeks, with the first one happening tonight. We'll find out more. Mountainside Open Mic Nights are back at the Rookery. Marion Call will be here to get us primed for its return. Plus, the latest Tongas voices from KTOO. Those conversations, music, and more coming up this hour on Juno Afternoon. Support from Hanson Gress. Seeking curious people who like technology, network engineering, and customer support. Opportunities for those who thrive on problem solving. Details at hansengress.com slash careers. Support for Juno Afternoon comes from Heritage Coffee Roasting Company, providing Juno with locally roasted coffee for over 40 years, with cafes and drive through locations throughout Juno. More at heritagecoffee.com. And now, here is the latest Tongas Voices from KTOO, which offers perspectives from the homelands of the Aquan and beyond. Miko Montoya, also known as Okims, is an independent rapper who moved to Juno from Aklan, Philippines in late 2022. He and Grayson Robustus, known as Wordplay the Flyest, opened for Afro Man last year alongside other local rappers. They are both working to build the rap scene in Juno. Uh, my name is Miko Montoya, a.k.a. Okims. It's Grayson Robustus, a.k.a. Wordplay the Flyest. So since back home in the Philippines, I've been performing and organizing events. So I was like kind of, you know, wondering if there's a scene here, there's a community, hip-hop community here in Juno, until uh, my cousin Hans Xavier, uh, which is he? Uh, he's the one who told me that uh, I have a nephew called, uh, you know, Wordplay. Yeah, Miko's been hitting me up, and I was like, "Who is this guy?" <laughs> my uncle Hans was like, "Yo, I have this guy from the Philippines." I was like, "Oh, from the Philippines? That's crazy!" And then uh, he hits me up with his new songs, and he's rapping in Filipino, and I was like, "Oh yeah." But uh, yeah, the Afroman, the Afroman show that was my that was my favorite show I've ever done. It's the biggest show I've ever done. Oh, uh, man, like it was packed. And right before he went, I was like, yo, Miko, hit him with some of that Filipino. And then he did it like and they just went wild. Well, I didn't really expect because the the. The lyrics that I wrote at the cipher was in Tagalog, right? Yeah, I mean Taglish. It's a Tagalog English, but uh I did I wasn't expecting that they just gonna be hype like that, like in a way. <laughs> I, I I mean I'd take it like some people like just oh like but they'd be like like hella. And like like that crowd was crazy. This guy comes up to me, he's like, Yo, where are you guys from? And I was just like I'm from here, bro. And he was like, no way. <laughs> like, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. I was like, they don't know, like, 
you know they don't know that uh, that Juno has a uh, artist like yeah. you know like he knows how to perform like hip hop like you knows how to rap comparing the the Juno and back home was like you know it's re it's really hard here if you're like a hip hop artist because I get like I I I get bars for free to put an event in the Philippines like they don't ask ask anything about about money and because I'm bringing people there so in my own opinion it was really tough because like where you gonna see this artist at yeah like I know there's other artists here we just aren't able to build them up you know someday people will get this like what we're doing you know like this is for the everyone That was Miko Montoya and Grayson Robustus for this week's Tonga's Voices. KTOO would like to acknowledge that we broadcast from the homelands of the Akwan. The Glenade have stewarded this area for thousands of years. Today, our studios sit on a spot once part of the Tidelands, now covered over with buildings, roads, and parking lots. We recognize those families who traveled to and from these Tidelands to fishing and hunting grounds and to gatherings in other villages and still cherish it as an important part of their way of life for today and for future generations. Listening to community supported Juno Afternoon on KTOO 104.3 Juno, 91.7 Juno Akbay, and online at KTOO.org. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. Tonight, February 20th, from 6 30 to 7 30 p.m. at the Valley Library, the Juno Commission on Sustainability is holding a QA session about recycling, trash, and all solid waste. It will also be available via Zoom. There will be a second solid waste Q&A at the Downtown Library on March 7th from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. if you cannot attend tonight. And here to tell us more about it and the commission uh, are Diana Robinson, Environmental Project Specialist for the Engineering and Public Works Department for CBJ, and Marion Call. Commissioner on the Juno Commission on Sustainability. Gunath Chisha Igudi, thank you all so much for being here today. Wasa Iati, how are you? I'm well. Thanks, Boston. Awesome. Yeah, it's got a little sunshine outside. It's looking nice. Nice. That's so good. Fall spring, early groundhog spring, Monday spring. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's first start by figuring out. I know you've been here a few times, Marion, to tell us about this, but I, I always like to re-up and make sure we know what we're talking about. And so what is the Juno Commission on Sustainability? <laughs> Marion. Uh, I'm still learning as a commissioner on the Juno Commission on Sustainability, but this is a uh, 
commission appointed by the assembly of citizens who um, are invested in issues of sustainability and in making sure that the city of Juneau is paying attention to uh, all sustainability issues in everything they do. So essentially what we do is we watch uh, municipal activities of all kinds and kind of look for opportunities to make sure that sustainability is being involved in the conversation. Um, and over time, that's gotten easier as the assembly has become more invested in, in this becoming a city priority. But at one point it wasn't, right? So this right. commission has helped to sort of uh, let the city know, let the CBJ know that sustainability is a priority and to uh, ensure that in various projects or in various initiatives that sustainability is being considered as an important element. Did I get that right? Yeah, I agree 100%. <laughs> Diana says yes. yes. Learning on the job. <laughs> um, and as you, I think you mentioned this, but the commissioners are appointed by the assembly, right? Yep, um, just folks who, who care about stuff and and uh, and we meet a couple times a month. Our meetings are open. The public can always attend and uh, and we try and keep an eye on what the city's doing and help out and uh, learn more however we can. And I know I mentioned it says tonight's session, we'll ask a little bit more about this in a minute, but recycling, trash and all solid waste. Um, does it include things like the landfill as well? Is that something that y'all are concerned about? Yes, absolutely. Um, as most people in this town know, right? Uh, we have the beautiful landfill as we drive to work every morning. <laughs> or we um, smell it. Or we smell it <laughs> if we live in Lemon Creek. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, the, it's been a topic of conversation in the assembly and the community for over 40 years. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really been a an issue that has been a tough nut to crack. Um the city doesn't own the landfill and the city does not control waste hauling. Uh, waste hauling is actually regulated by the state and the landfill is regulated environmentally. So really, CBJ, you know, we have our voluntary programs like Household Hazardous Waste and our recycling center. But really, at the end of the day, we yeah, we can't uh, make a whole lot of decisions in the community um, at the scale of a landfill or trash collection. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. That sounds really good. And so the purpose, there's a couple of these Q and A's coming up. The first one is tonight. Um, as I mentioned, it's at six 30 out at the Valley library and also on zoom, also yeah. on zoom. You can intend yes. from the comfort of your, your yeah. home or wherever you are, wherever you are. <laughs> and yeah. they'll both be recorded and available on the, uh, the CBJ website. Oh, excellent. Mm -hmm. So if you can't do either of those, you can still follow mm -hmm. up and see what everyone talked about. So, um, what's going to be happening tonight? What's the purpose of tonight's Q and A? Well, we know that the community has a lot of questions about how trash works in Juneau. Um, and, you know, even outside of Juneau, uh, trash is one of those things that you put it in a can, it goes away, and you don't really think about it again. And it's a very complex system. There's a lot of different players in that system and a lot of uh, different concerns. And uh, really what we, we wanted to do was get everyone who had an interest in solid waste, maybe, you know, they have concerns or they would like to see a new program, um, really just sit down, ask myself and Stuart Ashton, our Recycle Works operations manager, uh, just any questions that he and I are able to answer about Juno's waste systems. That's great. You're listening to Juno Afternoon. We're talking about the Juno Commission on Sustainability and their Q&As tonight. And for more information about Diana and the department that she works in, you can go to juno.org slash engineering dash public dash works. Um, there's all kinds of information on that website. There's many departments that are part of that. So can I try to 
bust a myth, I guess. I'm really curious about this because it has to do with recycling. Mm-hmm. And I've heard for years that um, there are certain things. Okay, the myth is that we put our stuff in the recycling bin and it goes to the center, but it's not actually getting recycled. And there are certain things that we might be putting in there that actually aren't going to be recycled even if we think we can. Like glass is one that I think a lot of people think can be recycled. But so help me out. Like that's my question for tonight since I can't make it. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. And that's a great one. Um, You know, it's really dependent on a lot of factors. A good rule of thumb to me is all paper, all cardboard, all metals that gets recycled at the highest rate. Um, It's easiest to do. It's easier to transport. Um, The issues with glass are that it's heavy and that it's inactive in the landfill. So it isn't really, it's all about economics, right? So if it doesn't make pencil out to ship a bunch of glass south, and it's also very dangerous to handle, you know, it's kind of one of those cost benefit analysis, right? It's it's hard to So what ends up happening to the glass then? So in Juneau specifically, and every community is different, recycling everywhere is different. Um, Juneau, we collect glass and it's actually crushed up and used for fill in low lying areas in the landfill. So it's not recycling in the traditional sense that we think of, but it's uh, what we call beneficial reuse. So it is being reused for a purpose that maybe a different material like gravel would be used for. I see. So yeah. repurposed as it exactly, were. Exactly. Okay. Here's another myth of mm-hmm. mine. Pizza boxes. Yeah. Are those considered recyclable and cardboard or not? So uh, – and every municipality is a little different, but a good rule of thumb is if there's grease on it, don't recycle it. <laughs> that's that's really depending upon as, the restaurant you exactly, order from. Exactly, exactly. That's and right. That, yep. I did I did recycle my first pizza box this week because it came with kind of a double helping of wax paper, and yeah. I was looking at the whole thing. I was like, "There's no, there's no grease. What? Oh my god, I can recycle this one." Yeah, so and I you, got very excited. <laughs> some manufacturers are making really cool ones where you can just rip the top off to compost yeah. it, and then you can recycle. The bottom, or vice versa, it depends on. Yeah, I see. Mm-hmm. And why? What? What does the grease do to the cardboard that makes it not recyclable? You know, I I don't know the exact chemistry of it, but okay. it it it's really just about quality control. Um, food contamination is a huge issue in recycling. Uh, pa- paper and cardboard it, it affects at a higher rate, but even with plastic recycling, you know, that's why we recommend everyone needs to wash out their plastic containers that they're going to recycle, um, because that can also contaminate a load of of recycling, which is where you get the stories about uh, recycling ending up in a landfill. Um, and you've saved me one thing, Diana. Well, you haven't saved me now because <laughs> you told me that the glass is re- repurposed. So now I feel like I can't just put that in my trash can because the worst one is the peanut butter jar, oh, right? Like cleaning oh, out the peanut yeah. butter jar and I'm washing it out and I'm like, I'm going to recycle this. I'm going to recycle this. <laughs> and then I find out it can't be recycled. But now at least I understand that it can be repurposed. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I wonder if you, when you order pizza, if you could like ask for... <laughs> You know, can you put more wax paper in there so I can recycle your box or at least yeah. rip off the top, right? Okay, but you can off. compost the greasy yeah. part, You absolutely though. can. Right, true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And uh, Juno Compost uh, does accept those. She asks that you rip them up and take all the stickers off. But 
yeah, you you can absolutely compost those mm-hmm. um, in this community. That's and let great. me just say that it's worth it. Like, I mean, oh, if you're yeah. if you're scrubbing that peanut butter jar and you're like, is this worth it? Like, there's two things mm-hmm. to remember. One is that our landfill has been getting closer and closer to capacity for a long time. And think about how much fun it's going to be having all the public meetings about where the new one goes. <laughs> like, we we have to do that. We have to do yeah. it. We know it's in our future, but it's hard to persuade assembly members to become the person who's like, well, let's figure out where the new landfill goes. But we have to face that, right? Right. And um. So in the meantime, everything we can divert or use more appropriately in a landfill, like think of the difference between a crushed up ground to sand bottle versus like a whole bottle. Think of how much space difference that takes up. Right. So recycling does make a big difference. And keeping the food out of like your glass and your plastic, like say you're shipping the plastic far away. Right. For whatever purpose, when someone opens that bale of plastic a month or two later. Right. If there's food in there, it's rotten. It's dangerous to them. Right. You know, that's so you it is worth it to like take the extra time to to do the extra thing. And uh, I, I definitely got like recycling fatigue a year or so ago. And then I got on the commission and, and got encouraged to learn that, no, actually this, this is, it, it is, we live in a unique community where like we have to face that we don't have that much space and that all the resources we bring here, we have to deal with. Like yeah. in a way that's good. It's, it's coping with the impact we have on our surroundings. Right. And being a good custodian means paying attention to that. So that's why I've, been excited about these Q&As, the one tonight, and there's another one coming up. Uh, So I hope people will attend uh, and send in questions. Uh, If you're on the Zoom, you'll be able to type in questions in the chat. We'll get them asked in the room. Um, And if you're live there in the room with us at the Valley Library, then uh, that's the whole purpose is just more Q&A, kind of more in depth about like, what happens? What should I do when I feel like unsure? What's the best way to go? What's in our future about this? You know? And the Zoom link, um, is that available? Where is that? best available for folks to find? So it's both on what's called the Municode calendar, which is, uh, <laughs> I know it's so it's, it's kind of goofy. Um, it, it's also on the library event calendar. Uh, and it's also on Facebook. We have a yes. Facebook event for both, both sessions and the zoom link is on both of those. Is that on the Juno commission of on sustainability yeah. Facebook yes. page? Yeah. Okay. If you go to facebook.com slash sustainable Juno, you'll find the events. Perfect. Um, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what we need for people to do because mm-hmm. um, it's hard to give a Zoom link out over the air. Absolutely. Um, so that's why I want to make sure people knew where to find that. Um, so is there any what's like the most asked question about trash? Gosh, um, well, you touched on one, it, the recycling question we get a lot. Um, you know, that's been in national and global news for the past handful of years. So we get that a lot. But the second most is some variation on asking when uh, CBJ is going to make the landfill do things. Uh, Usually it's, (laughs) you know, stay open longer, lower their rates, some variation of that. And again, you know, we we really have no control over. It's tough, right? It's tough because I know I think there was just a story recently that the prices might be going up again. March 1st. Yeah, so that's something to be aware of. But there's also, as um, Marion mentioned, that people might be able to learn a little bit more about composting. And maybe there's things that you're putting in your trash that you don't actually need to put in your trash that you could be composting instead. And Lisa Doherty, who runs Juno Composts and one is one of Aware's Women of Distinction this year. Congratulations, Lisa. Yeah. Um, is doing such great work in this town to make this a place where we are composting more and we're learning about that. And so I, I think that's that's so that's so good. So what are some of the future goals for the commission, I guess, or for this work? 
uh, for obviously a new landfill. <laughs> well, <laughs> but that's uh, one. We all got to hold hands <laughs> and jump together we, on that one. We just what's our be hope? Ready. Like twenty years, what would we oh, like gosh. it to look well, like? Well. So last Monday, February 12th, uh, the Committee of the Whole for the Assembly met, um, and I presented about zero waste planning, speaking about these solid waste issues. And uh, at the end of that meeting, we requested that we be able to do a high-level study to start looking at our options. You know, maybe it's a landfill. Maybe it's an incinerator, a waste-to-energy incinerator. Maybe it is just, you know, like the other Southeast communities they all ship their way south. Maybe that's the mm. most viable option. I, I don't think it is. I love but. the incinerator <laughs> idea. Yeah, and you know, Juno used to have a number of incinerators. Uh, the landfill had a couple, and then uh, the city actually had one for its biosolids. And you know, they were very old fashioned, and they went offline. They the cost to repair and upkeep them, I guess, was just. Just mm. too much. And, you know, it's something that folks remember in this town. They remember the incinerators and uh, how, you know, we had such a longer span on our landfill. We had 100 years on our landfill in the 90s because of those incinerators. But now we're down to about 10 to 15 years. So, mm. uh, you know, incinerators are tough because they have to run pretty continuously. Um so sometimes that that makes it hard with a smaller community like ours, just the amount of trash that we have. But uh, like I said, we'll be looking into that in the coming year um, just to start that conversation in the community and hopefully start some community engagement and outreach about yeah what those different options might look like. And we're uh, also looking at um, more infrastructure for our recycling programs. Uh, there's been discussion about building a municipal composting facility that um, we would contract out for operations. Um, yeah, there's there's really there's a lot on the horizon. That's so good. And I just want to ask you about your role um, in the Department of Engineering and Public Works, because I found it interesting. Um, your new boss, how do you say her name? Denise Kosh. Okay, Denise Kosh. She took over for Katie Kester, who went on to become the new city manager. And I just love what she said about how, you know, this is the department that provides your drinking water, disposes of what you put into the sewer, plows and fills potholes on the roads that most of us drive every day, and builds and maintains the city's critical infrastructure. But she also sometimes says that, um, you know, it's critical to residents' everyday lives, but that it is sometimes invisible because it's that behind the scenes kind of work that I think many of us take for granted. Well, right? when it's working, it's invisible. That's right. the that's thing. That's the idea, exactly. right? That's, yeah. the, that's what Anchorage is learning about plowing this year. You know, it's just, it's whenever it's working, it's invisible. When it's not working, people really get, you know, <laughs> You get a pothole, you're like, wait, what's going on in yeah, this city? Exactly. Where's this exactly. stuff happening? Where's the city? And it's, it's very, um, it's, that's what getting engaged in this uh, for just me as a random citizen has been really exciting because once you see how much work goes into something as simple as filling a pothole, then you get you get invested in it working well. Right. right you right. get invested in like, oh, let's make sure that this that these gears are, are well oiled so that everyone can communicate so that there's like enough staff and they have the right jobs and that, you know, the processes run smoothly. And then you you start caring about that once you realize that all that invisible stuff yeah. uh, is what makes life here work. And because we're a small, you know, an isolated community that appreciating how uh, how much work it takes to make life work. Right. Yeah. Is, is yeah. really significant. You know? And your role, Diana, is. Uh, I mentioned it, that you were an environmental project specialist. Um, what does that 
is that is this the work? Is that what we've been talking about? That's what that work is as an environmental project specialist is all of these areas that we're talking about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm also the staff liaison for JCOS, um, the Juno Commission on Sustainability. Uh, and gosh, I'm a jack of all trades a little bit. Um, it's... You know, I kind of bounce, I can bounce around between projects. Sometimes I'll help engineers with certain aspects of their projects. And sometimes it's these bigger, you know, overarching issues, just like solid waste. You know, it's a problem. What are we going to do about <laughs> yeah. it? So, I like to say it's like, uh, number nine, other duties as a sign. Exactly. As well, right. Yeah, so that's, it covers yep. everything. Yep. And how did you find your way into this work? I'm always curious about that. Yeah, absolutely. Gosh. Uh, I went to graduate school for sustainability um, 15-ish years ago. And, you know, I started my career working with restaurants specifically. Um, that was really my my passion at the time. And just over the years, it just kind of changes as you, as you go from job to job and uh, learn about new aspects. And so, you know, my, my former position before coming to Juno was working for the Montana Department of Environmental Quality in their solid waste section. So I was actually helping to permit things like junkyards. And uh, luckily, I didn't have to do landfill stuff, but composting facilities and recycling centers and also providing technical assistance and just, you know, outreach materials for folks across the state. So it's, like I said, just a little bit of everything. <laughs> well, you are a hero, right? Whether invisible or not invisible, you are a hero. And uh, we really appreciate the work you're doing. It's the Juno Commission on Sustainability Q&A sessions happening. The first one is tonight. Um, it's from 6.30 to 7.30 at the Valley Library, or you can hop on the uh, Juno Commission on Sustainability uh, Facebook page and find the link for the Zoom and you can attend via Zoom. You don't even have to leave the comfort of your couch um, while you're looking at all the stuff that you want to recycle <laughs> in your home. And uh, for more information, of course, about this department, you can go to juno.org slash engineering dash publish public dash works. And the second session, I just want to mention, will be on March 7th, and that will be at the downtown library um, at 530. And I'm sure there'll be more information about that on the Facebook page as well. Yes, so, absolutely. Yeah, obviously. Mm -hmm. So Gunth Cheese for being here, Diana Robinson and Marion Call Commissioner. And Diana, of course, is the environmental project specialist. I love it. What a great name. What a great <laughs> title um, to encompass all of the various things that you do. That's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Boston. We're going to let Marion switch hats. Um, and up next, we'll find out about Mountainside Open Mic Nights. They're back for 2024. We'll find out all about them and how you can attend and get involved. You're listening to Juno Afternoon on KTOO. But first, a savory moment. Step in to the savory moment. In springtime in Southeast Alaska, birds and trees go together like toast and jelly. That's the early morning call of a Swainson's thrush, a sound that means spring in the coniferous forests of Southeast Alaska, where in May, evergreens like the Sitka spruce produce downy tufts of new growth at the end of their winter dark branches. Increasing daylight, warmer temperatures, and rain all play a part in the formation of spruce tips. 
Spruce tips grow slowly over the course of weeks, starting as tiny buds enclosed in papery, maple-colored sheaths. While you're waiting for them to burst out in fluorescent green pom-poms, open a window in your kitchen and gather these items. A pot, sugar, pectin, and lemon juice. By late May, it's finally time to harvest spruce tips. You can identify a Sitka spruce by its established needles, blue-green, stiff, and sharp, with four sides and narrow white lines running along the surface. To harvest new growth, simply pinch off the tips and drop them in your bucket. Simmer your spruce tips in water to make a strong tea. This is the base for your spruce tip jelly. Strain, boil with pectin, then sugar and lemon juice. Ladle into jars and seal in a water bath. Serve your spruce tip jelly on buttered toast and you've got breakfast on one of those mornings when you're up with the thrushes. Find the full recipe for spruce tip jelly at savorymoment.org. From the studios of KCAW in Sitka, Alaska, I'm Beth Short Rhodes. Whatever is on your breakfast table this morning, may you savor the moment. This is Juno Afternoon from your listener-supported public media station, KTOO. I'm your host, Boston Christopher. That was Ashley Young with Dancing on the Words, um, which you can find on the Alaska Playlist, um, another project of Marion Calls that she's working on all the time um, from <laughs> Music Alaska and all that good stuff. Um, but tomorrow night, uh, what we're here to talk about today is uh, tomorrow night through the first Wednesday in April, it's open mic night at the Rookery. More specifically, it's... It's Mountainside Open Mike, the brainchild of Marion Call, who continues to be in the studio. Hi, Marion. Hi. We just get to hang out all afternoon. <laughs> and we just get to hang out for the whole show today, which is awesome. <laughs> um, never a problem for me. So uh, Mountainside Open Mike. Yes, one of my favorite events of of the years. It's it happens in shoulder season, happens in spring and fall. Um, so it's every week starting tomorrow, every Wednesday night tomorrow through Folk Fest. I didn't know it was called shoulder season. It, that's what I've been hearing, and I love it because that's the spring that and fall. Sense. Like that's when people have a little bit of extra energy to do their local stuff, right? Yeah. And then in the summer, it's it's I'm out, I'm out, I'm out. And then in deepest darkest holiday winter, it's like I'm I'm home, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, right. Or I'm in Mexico, or whatever people are doing. So for um, those maybe who aren't familiar with Mountainside Open Mic, tell us a little bit about what it is, where it takes place, and who gets involved. Mountainside Open Mic is at the Rookery, and it is an all-ages open mic. We are looking for kids. We are looking for teens. We are looking for elders. We're looking for everybody to come and do music. It is a music open mic, um, and we welcome all genres of music. We've had people do choral music and classical music. We've had people come in and play Debussy. We've had people come in and do hip-hop with backing tracks. We've had folks uh, come in and play like contemporary, you know, ensemble of like oboe and clarinet and fiddle and and uh, well, violin, I guess, and keyboard and, you know, anything anyone is working on, any kind of music anyone's working on in town, we want to hear it. 
And the idea that um, it, you don't have to necessarily be a professional no. musician. No, right? no, no, no. We want we want folks mic. starting out. Yeah. yeah, we want folks starting out, and uh, and everyone gets two songs, and sometimes it's someone who's played their whole life, and sometimes it's someone who's just beginning to wrestle with uh, you know vocals or an instrument. And either way, the room is very quiet. It's a listening room. It's it's not like people ignoring you and and having their drinks. It's people actually listening and it's really focused and it's really supportive and lovely. People also bring their arts and crafts. Uh, that's part of what makes it fun to listen is you get to scribble or write or or use color crayons or do post-it art. Um, you know, we provide some of the crayons and markers and paper. So you always have a chance to doodle or write a note to your neighbor. Uh, and people draw and leave the most amazing stuff and they draw and take stuff, too. <laughs> Or they bring their knitting or, you know, whatever they right. want to work on. It's a really nice little space. And, of course, the rookery has, you know, cocoa and cookies, beer and wine. Uh, it's a really nice environment. So I this is uh, every Wednesday, 7 p.m. Doors open at 630. Yeah, the sign up begins mm -hmm. at 630. Sign right? up begins at 630. Can't yep. sign in before that. You cannot. I keep the door locked yeah. and people always knock. And I'm like, sorry. you know. But like, Let me sign up and then go away and have dinner and come back. And it's like, You no, can no, no. do that, but it has <laughs> to be at 630. 630. So. Right. And it does say in your notes here that there's a keyboard and a sound system that yep. is provided. So there's a keyboard and a sound system. And usually you can talk someone into lending you a guitar if you didn't bring one. Right. Uh, right, right. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there's going to be some musicians there who can help you out. And uh -huh. what the other thing that's cool about it is that you also have sort of a uh, featured artist, as it were, for the night, right? Each Wednesday. We do. And I I do this for two reasons. One is that I noticed most open mics always kind of end with a whimper and not a bang. Like nobody wants to be the first artist. Also, nobody wants to be the last. And, you know, if you if you don't give people something to hang around for, then often it just gets emptier and emptier as people are just waiting to hear themselves, really. And I didn't want that environment. I want an environment where everyone's there to hear everyone. Um, the other reason that I have a featured act at the end is that I see lots of chances to play around town if you can play a full show and lots of chances to play at open mics but very little in between mm. so we wanted a starter gig like it's it's paid a little bit we take a collection we pass the hat for the artist and so it is paid but it's also very short it's about 30 minutes so it's basically a longer open mic set and that is meant to be accessible to someone who is maybe graduating from open mic to the next level or who's ready to like start doing their own shows you know and and some of our featured artists do not, you know, need a gig like this. Some of them have been gigging forever. Some of them are stone cold pros and, you know, community members who have like founded our festivals, things like that. But some of our artists are people who are newer, who are getting started, who are uh, just writing their own songs for the first time or who are sharing their own songs for the first time, who are doing covers and finding their own way to bring something to it. Right. Uh, every year we select um, kind of a mix of folks who are new voices and folks who are established you know, community music voices. Yeah, I'm looking at your list and I see, you know, some 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 standards. George Kuhar is on the list. Josh Fortenberry is on the list. But then I see some some newer voices. Anna Mahanner, who was just on the Tongas Voices That's last right. week, yeah. <laughs> um, was featured here on KTOO and her band Rain Dogs that she performs with as well. So a newer person to Juno, Absolutely. which is great. And then um, tell me about this one that's on the 13th of March, second to the last of the Juno Corns. That is a 
duo of uh, you might know better as uh, Sonia Kumar and Harper Gunn. Okay, have a duo, second to last of the Junicorns. It's very fun. I love that name. Uh-huh. What Isn't it a great name? name. It's a perfect <laughs> yeah. name. And then tomorrow and then, night, tell us who's tomorrow night. Tomorrow night is Jen Gardner, and I'm so excited about this. We just did a little kind of practice run last night. Jen Gardner is a songwriter, singer songwriter. Um, I don't know that she's played out in Juno before or played out very much, but has been writing incredible songs and had played at the open mic three or four times before. But every time just wrote her name down as Jen. And I was like, how do I find Jen? I need to find Jen. I need to book Jen. I couldn't find this Jen. anonymous Jen. Yeah. And finally I found someone who knew her and got her booked. So I'm so excited to be opening with like her songwriting is so clever. And I don't know that people have heard this voice before. So I'm very excited about uh, our first show. I hope people come and give big support because it's hard to do. It's hard to do a, a first show in a community. Of course. Um, yeah. We're talking yeah. about the Mountain Sign Open Mic. It starts tomorrow night at the Rookery at seven o'clock. The doors open at 6.30 p.m. I'm sitting here chatting with Marion Call, wonderful performer. And I do want to mention that there is, I love this, that you did a tiny URL for your link for this. So <laughs> there's some musician <laughs> guidelines for those who may um, be interested in knowing a little bit more if maybe it's your first time, because that's what open mics are for, is to right. encourage people to come out. And even if you just come to the first few and listen and kind of see how it goes, and then oh, you yeah. can kind of do this. But for musician guidelines, you can go to tinyurl.com slash mountainside open mic. And Pretty I think that easy. just I think that just takes you to our, our Facebook page at the moment. But the Facebook page has a long list of all the details. If you want all the details about what you can and can't do as a performer, they're all on there. Um, and but generally it's two songs and backing tracks are OK if like you made them or like if someone in town or someone in Alaska made them. Right. Like that's, right. we want to encourage um, uh, the kind of we want to like strike that balance between not having karaoke, but yes, having like the kind of music we're creating a backing track is part of the art, you know? Yeah. Because we have a ton of people yeah. doing that. And yeah. you were just hearing Tonga's voices. You know, we have a ton of folks in the hip hop community right. who are doing that and like making their own backing tracks or synthesizing backing tracks out of lots of pieces that they have and that or that they get from other friends. And that's really amazing. And we love to hear that. We featured we featured Radiophonic Jazz in previous seasons and Manor. And like we really love it whenever we get folks coming in with <clears throat> With like uh, whether it's EDM or hip hop or, uh, you know, some other kind of um, uh, digital music that they're creating. We love to feature that. We have folks bring in looping pedals and do cool stuff with that. You know, just like anything someone's experimenting with, even if it's not finished, even if it's half baked, like come come try it out with an audience. We want to hear that. That's what our open mics are for. It's an an art and music is an art form and there's all kinds of music, which is so cool. And if you have questions that maybe aren't answered on the Facebook page mm-hmm. at that link tinyurl.com slash mountain open side music you can email <laughs> mountainside open mic at sent.com s-e-n-t.com mm-hmm. to ask a question or to figure out don't use it to try to sign up on the list or that will not work <laughs> i will not remember marion is hardcore um so marion let's talk about you just a little bit um so you've been doing music for a long time and yeah. and uh you have Getting many there. many albums and um, but when you were a young artist, 
Were things like an open mic important to you? Was oh, yes. that where you met some of your compatriots and things like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. The coffee house scene and open mics in Anchorage were so important. And there's nothing like a good open mic vibe. I know we have some great ones in town already that are run by some wonderful people. Um, and I'm just excited to bring uh, an additional one for a short season, you know, uh, that is all ages and uh, has that coffee house vibe. Because that was always where I felt comfortable was if, if I could hear a steam wand in between sets making some you know steam milk or espresso then I would like mm. I knew I was home <laughs> yeah right and I know you yeah. were famous for your sort of um your the way your touring style was I remember oh, before, famous asterisk very yeah. marginally <laughs> marginally well, well just when I first um <laughs> Got to know you and was mm-hmm. following you, and uh, it was really before you lived in Juneau, I think. But it was mm-hmm. like you were touring around the states, and you would go to you'd do a lot of house concerts. Oh and, yeah, and people could reach out to you and be like, "Hey, Marion, come to Oregon and uh-huh. do a house concert." And is that how? Uh, tell me about that a little bit. That sort of way to tour. I really believe that music is has well probably has always been in transition since recorded music happened but but it's definitely been in transition since I started doing music and people are trying to figure out how do I how do I be a musician how do I live as a musician and I don't know that there is like one single future of music but to me the future of music I'm invested in is local Mm. and even hyper local and that's why I do a lot of work in Alaska music that's why I do a lot of work in Juno music and that comes back to how I did tour which is house Concerts, small concerts, sometimes someone's office, sometimes someone's <laughs> warehouse. I love it. You know, a forensic materials warehouse is one of my favorite shows in Denver. Um, like, uh, you know, the Sea Life Center or an aquarium or a science center, a, you know, a, a college reading group, you know, just whatever. Yeah. But small, small groups of people and then just doing that all the time every day, like it's your job. Like that was my method of touring was a, kind of a small thing every day. And uh, it was really special. It was awesome. special. It got me, got me around the world, got me around the States, got me all around it. Alaska. And, and um, I still love it. I still hope to renew it at some point, but right now I feel like I got a lot of exciting work cut out for me here in Juneau. So, well, would you mind doing a little in concert in uh, the studio 2K? maybe playing us a song as we end the show today. I'll give it a go. Not yeah. warmed up, but let's give this a try. Let's I have been, my project since COVID has been learning guitar. So oh, I've, nice. been, I've been spending the last couple of years trying to go from zero to self-accompanying. Well, this is an open <laughs> mic situation. It is. Here. It Let me for give, sure is. give the details while Marion steps up to the microphone up there. Um, uh, so it's Mountainside Open Mic. It returns to the Rookery tomorrow night, February 21st. It runs through April 3rd. Things get started around 7 p.m. The door opens and signups begin at 6.30 p.m. You can find all kinds of information at the tinyurl.com slash mountain open side mic. Um, there's, you can, there's volunteer opportunities. Um, you can ask questions and you can email Marion at mountainsideopenmic at scent.com. So let's see if we can transition over here to a little bit of music happening. Yeah, there we go. I got you in there. Awesome. Take it away, Marion. This is called I Got Wheels. I got the wheels, I got the time. I got the coffee, I got the lines. And I 
practice and I practice and I practice my revisions in the mirror. And I nod till I believe my little story and I gather all my gear. Fact is lately you're still on my mind. Cause I got these wheels and all this time And every morning when I wake I reach for you But you do not reach for me You do not reach for me You do not reach for me I got these wheels, I got the time for playing hangman on these broken white lines and by now it's automatic the acrobatics in the circus in my mind and it's cute how you keep turning this leaf over when it's just got the two sides just you and Fact is, you're my very first big break. Oh, I'm just a clown. I'm a cliche, and I shouldn't, but I wrote another song about you, and you do not write for me. You do not write for me. You do not write for me. playing hangman on these broken white lines was a time we had to lean upon each other but now you could not need me less and I won't say humiliating but it's close the way it feels as you forget You're already off the hook And if you were never, ever on My heart can look And I should That will do it for today's Juno Afternoon Thank you to Marion Call